I was kind of the fat kid, not kind of, I was the fat girl. Um, I was very introverted. Um, family life was not great. Um, and romance was a very real way to lose myself when I was unhappy. Um, and I have found that throughout my entire life when I'm stressed, when I'm unhappy, when I'm lonely, when I'm scared. And even when I'm happy and feeling positive and great things are happening, romance is so cathartic and such an emotional outlet. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy and it's silly and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there, conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Anna Bishop Barker joins us today for Steam Scenes. Anna was born in Kentucky and raised in Florida, so she's a Southerner through and through. Once she was old enough to pick up a book, she became a voracious reader. She wrote the usual poetry and short stories in high school, I'm waving at you, but kept the dream (laughs) of writing in the back of her heart until opportunity and encouragement helped her realize that dream. Anna lives in Tampa with her kids, grandkids, dogs, various other livestock, and way more books than is strictly healthy. Hot romance, suspense, humor, and heart. Grown-up stories for grown-up people. This is what she writes. There's also food, music, dogs, the occasional geek reference, and quite possibly an inappropriate joke. There will likely be dead bodies as well. Three random facts about Anna. She was bitten by a shark when she was 14. Ouch. (laughs) Understatement. Ouch. She has read War and Peace and wants that week of her life back. She sincerely believes that any situation can be improved by eating some cheese. She lives by the philosophy, guard your inner peace and read dirty kissing books. I love that philosophy. Welcome, (laughs) Anna, to Steam Scenes. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm super excited to have you. So I got to ask about the shark. (laughs) <laughs> where did you get bitten you, you know how you have those those like three semi-interesting stories about yourself that you embellish well yeah this is the one I tell like my grandkids friends so they can be impressed um I I actually was walking like I don't know maybe nine or ten feet offshore dragging my hands through the water scaring my cousin who was come to visit and I bashed a nurse shark in the face and the nurse <gasps> shark decided she didn't like that, so she decided to take a chunk out of my hand, and um, it sounds a, a way lot more impressive than it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, are you missing an appendage, or like, did did they get a finger or anything? Or? Oh, oh, God, no! I have, I have probably a, I have like three couple of millimeter little scars on my hand that I can kind of still see, low these many years ago, these many years now. But that was about it. Yeah. No, mostly it's it just it scared the hell out of my cousin and she would never get back in the ocean again. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's like to the like like never she was done. She was like, nope, oh, not no. Going. She would never she would when she they would come down to visit, um, she would get in the pool, but no, she would never get back in the ocean again. Wow. I should probably mention that she was on a raft when this happened. Um, and I held my bleeding hand up out of the water 
And <laughs> she jumped off the raft and ran to shore and left me out in the ocean to be eaten. So, <laughs> so I guess that might be where your suspense, like, you know, like why you like writing about dead bodies and so sus- I don't know. Like, it feels like, like there, there's something about the story that is like I'm going okay, and she writes romantic suspense that kind of makes total sense. Like talking about how you're holding up a bloody hand and scaring the crap out of your poor cousin. <laughs> it could be a plot bunny, that's for sure. Yeah, and enjoying it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so um. Back in high school, you were writing poetry and short stories. Um, did you just, was that sort of when you were like, you know what, I think I want to write, I, I think I want to be a writer, or did that come later? Um, I, um, I was a, a crazy reader, and I had a very, very good um, uh, creative writing teacher when I was a junior, Miss Guerra, and mm-hmm. I didn't know that I could write. I, you know, she gave assignments, and I did them, um, and we had a poetry um, contest as, for, as part of our literary magazine and I just wrote some high, of all things haikus and oh, she, really? she, no, she kept me after class and said that they were wonderful and that she thought that I had a gift and blah 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 and you know I was 16 and insecure and um, my brain was more at that time anyway geared towards doing science and and um, I was kind of fascinated with medical things and that, mm. um, and it never occurred to me that I could actually write because, um, I read so much and what these people said and the way they put their words, it just felt overwhelming to me and that I would never be able to do it. Um, and then over the years, you know, you know how you read a book, you think, Oh, I could write something like that. It would be so much fun. Yeah. Um, Especially, you know, in romance, you lose yourself in the in the um, fantasy of it and start doing it yourself in your head. So you get cocky and think, oh, I could do that. But I never really believed I could do that. So, you know, I went on and and did other things. Um, and then yeah, um, you, had, you had mentioned that you were uh, you had a career in the health profession. Are you comfortable talking about what that was? Um, uh, a little bit sure. Um, I did a lot of neurobiology, sleep research. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's pretty fascinating. I mean, I'm very curious, again, because you write romantic suspense. Has that mm-hmm. influenced your work at all or how? Because I feel like there's got to be some sort of like Venn diagram here. Well, I think the books that I have written so far, um, let's see, there's, well, the first one has a medical researcher in it. So she's okay. kind of like me. Um, the, it's, I don't know if everybody has this, but the very first book that I read, my female character probably as far as profession and, and that kind of stuff is very, is very much like me. Okay. Um, and so, and then in the further, the other four that I've written, three of them have medical people pretty prominent, or all four of them actually have medical people pretty prominent because that's what I know. Right. Um, and it's very, it's not something that I have to research a whole lot of, you know, you have to research dead bodies and decomposition and all that stuff. But, um, so yeah, it, it, um, it was an easy profession for me to not only put women in, but also men, um, mm. because I, I find, um, 
nurses and doctors and and people like that for the most part to be heroic in, in a lot of ways so yeah, it's easy to make right them now. it's easy yeah. to make those people um have a purity of purpose yeah you know it's funny i'm i'm always um because I, romantic suspense and suspense and, you know, crime and those sorts of thrillers, like, mm-hmm. that's my kind of go-to. Yeah. Um, if it's not contemporary romance, so those are the books that I'm picking mm-hmm. up, or sus- romantic suspense. And I'm always so jealous of the people that have the medical background, because I would love to write something, like, you know, with forensics. And we actually have, um, at the university near me, they have a forensics program, and they used to do pre-COVID times, they used to do weekly Friday lectures that were open to the public. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> love have, that. Oh, my God, it yeah. was so cool. You would have, like, you know, all these det- police detectives from around the, you know, around, uh, uh, you know, I would say New England would come in and, and give talks, and it was so mm-hmm. cool. It was so cool. Um, oh, yeah. My my daughter, um, I have a daughter who's in her 30s. My daughter wanted to be Clarice Starling for most of her life. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we both are big serial killer buffs and, and that kind of stuff. We, we both really like watching documentaries and reading fiction and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you watched the Ripper documentary on Netflix yet? I've watched one, but it's been a while. It's been a while ago. Okay, no, there's a new one called, it's called The Ripper, and uh-huh. it's a series, it's a limited series about the Yorkshire Ripper, um, which was a case in uh, a serial killer in the UK back in the mm-hmm. 70s that was oh. like made all of these headlines. He was kind of, I guess, kind of like their Ted Bundy or something like, you know, like uh-huh. that sort of serial killer. It's really fast. I've only watched one episode. It's a little slow going, but it's very mm-hmm. fascinating. So I need yeah. to like keep up with that. But I just thought I'd throw that plug out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if there's one I haven't watched, I want to watch it because i i just uh i find it it's scary and creepy and fascinating and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i just kind of yeah why people do those kind of things and how uh, yeah i like that kind of stuff yeah so what drew you into romance i read jane eyre when i was 10 years old Ooh, and okay. i never looked back never looked back. I was in love with Mr. Rochester and probably still am a part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had, um, I was kind of the fat kid, not kind of, I was the fat girl. Um, I was very introverted. Um, family life was not great. Um, and romance was a very real way to lose myself when I was unhappy. Okay. Um, and, I have found that throughout my entire life when I'm stressed, when I'm unhappy, when I'm lonely, when I'm scared. And even when I'm happy and feeling positive and great things are happening, romance is so cathartic and such an emotional outlet. Um, and it always was. I mean, you know, I was the brain and I went, you know, went to college and did all this stuff and had to read a lot of of things that <laughs> wasn't romance. I, if I never have to read Moby Dick again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> <laughs> or War and Peace. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Moby Dick was the bane of my existence for eighth grade. So, um, yeah, Beowulf killed me when my daughter oh, had Jesus to read it for school. I was like, I am so sorry. Oh, and if you fail to... this, it's okay. <laughs> really? Um, but I always, uh, yeah, romance always, I read everything the Bronte sisters ever put to paper. Mm. Jane Austen, of course, Thomas Hardy. And then, um, Probably, I don't know how old I was, probably younger than I should have been. I read um, The Wolf and the Dove by Catherine Woodwiss. Um, um, and uh, yeah, I was just so historical uh, romance, paranormal, uh, alien, uh, you name it. I love it. <laughs> You'll, you're, you read the whole I will, gamut. <laughs> yeah, I will read and I will read in the romance genre. I will try anything uh ruby dixon and her ice planet barbarians is one of my greatest <laughs> the greatest things ever written in romance it is funny and clever and uh it's just such escapism and, and she just has a way with words and yeah so yeah i like i like it all but you write i mean you write romantic suspense i mean are you, are you gonna branch yeah. out where, where are you gonna um i <laughs> I probably will. Yes. Okay. Uh, right now, right now, this is fun. Um, this series, my first series, uh, it kind of was, you know, it was kind of all in my head all at one time. So it, it kind of did itself. And then the next one is coming, um, has, a, uh, is romantic suspense after that. I don't know. I'm sure that I will. Uh, I like yeah. uh, science fiction and paranormal and fantasy mm. way too much to never give it a try. I think. Yeah. Urban fantasy was my first, um, the, the first genre I wrote in uh, yeah. and oh my God, I love it. And I'm going to, I'm going to be working on a paranormal romance oh. next to sort of meld the two. Oh, but I, yeah, love I, I love, I love, love the I supernatural. Love paranormal stuff. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. It kind of yeah. gives, gives an explanation to some of the unexplained and you can just let, and the world building. I love the world building. It's one of my favorite parts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to read what you wrote because I, yeah, I love oh, it. I love it. And they were my first more, books. I, I'm always, I'm always so embarrassed because I'm like, they were my first books. They weren't as good as like my romances because my, like I have more experience behind me, you know, with the romances, mm -hmm. but still I should be proud of them um, because I really, you know, um, you know, created a, a world that I, I, I loved and, and made me, you know, kind of made me happy to be in it, even as I was decapitating characters. <laughs> <laughs> they always, so many people have told me you don't appreciate uh, reading until you write. Now, especially people who can build paranormal and fantasy worlds, they are like my, my gods because how, what it takes to do that well is incredibly hard work and incredible talent to be able to do it honestly my hats are off to the epic fantasy people because they're usually writing historical right so they've got mm -hmm. some sort of historical something that they've got to deal with plus they're creating 
these worlds that are so involved and so intricate. I mean, you know, for urban fantasy, it's mostly magical systems in the world building. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh They're creating magical systems. They're creating, you know, kingdoms. I'm like, how do you Well, I'll be writing in three paragraphs ago. I can't remember the dog's name that I wrote. I'm like, how do they do this? I know. I'm like, like flipping through my character Bible. What color eyes did he have again? Oh, dear Lord, help me. do this? How do they do this? Yep, I'm exactly the same. It's truly amazing. It is. So, so with with our with the romance genre, and you, um, you know, in your bio, have said mm-hmm. that you have a real appreciation for the steamy bits um, and the dirty yeah. kissing books. Mm-hmm. To you, what needs what makes a sex scene good? What makes a sex scene good? I thought about this a lot because I I've thought about this a lot because I for me they can make a break a book mm-hmm. and not because I need to be titillated it's the emotionality of it yeah um that intimate uh, uh, uh an interaction tells you more I think more about your characters than anything else in your book mm-hmm. um because you are your raw, authentic self when you're in a situation like that. Um, and if it's done well and you can see how these two people, irregardless of what they may say or, you know, whatever has come before, when they are in that situation, they become who and what they are and who and what they are to each other. So the emotionality of it. Um, is what gets me. You can get all the technical things right, and God knows you have to, because right. you know nobody wants to write a scene with somebody with four elbows. But <laughs> you, you have to, you have to get the emotionality of it right for me to like to read it. And I'm not satisfied writing it until I think I've gotten it as right as I can get it. Do Do you struggle to write them, or are they easy for you? Knock wood. So far, I don't struggle. I did okay. I, I did at one point struggle where to put them um, because, you know, you always hear people you read things, oh, you know, I'm chapter three of the book and nobody's done anything and yada, yada, yada. And I really had to think about myself. Am I writing, you know, what am I writing? I'm mm. not writing erotic stuff. Um you know, I, and that's fine. You know, whatever, listen, I, I am open-minded and people should read and write what they want and what makes them feel happy. For me, that's at this point, I'm not writing that. So I, I really struggled. I, you know, it's chapter 10 and I don't have any sex and I don't know. And I ask um, my reading mentor, who is uh, Kristen Harbour, who is, responsible for all this in in large part i said when when do you i'm worried this book is you know 10 chapters in and nobody's done it and she's like you put it in when they're supposed to do it right and that was very freeing you know and i know it sounds simplistic and i'm sure that everybody else has said that but um i I, it's not it got a lot easier after that because i didn't worry about when i was putting it in I, uh, it, it happened when it happened and when it should have happened to those people. Um, other than that, the mechanics of it can be a challenge. 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny because I don't necessarily worry about like, well, sometimes I do go, oh man, this is going on a really long time and like, there's no sex scene. And I know <laughs> that is something that the readers enjoy, you know, um, mm -hmm. but, but it's more like how many, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. I'm always like, oh, I think I only had one in the whole book and is that going to be enough? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I'm exactly the same way. Um, you know, one of the books that uh, there was only really one. And then I kind of threw in a little bonus at the end just to make people, you know, happy and to make me happy because I like these two people so much. I wanted them to do it again. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I worry about that. And I worry about, you know, where's somebody's elbow and yeah. thank God I have a good editor who's like, you know, people's arms don't do that. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I think that like, it's, a, it's, it's tricky because like on the one hand, we of course want to serve the story and the characters, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, we also have to think about the readers and, mm -hmm. you know, and I know for the most part, they just want the good story, but mm -hmm. I also know they're also there for the steam. Well, yeah, I am when I read. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm all the time telling my friends who, who recommend books, you know, is somebody going to get busy at some point? Cause you know, this is kind of. And I'm ready for them to do it, you know. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, the, the hardest thing for me for writing it, honestly, is trying yeah. to find more words for sliding and slipping. And, yep. you know, I, I don't, is this a G-rated show? Oh, God, no. I oh, marked okay. that explicit tag. Oh, okay. I read your sex so, scenes out loud. <laughs> oh, okay, well, there you go. Well, you know, I mean, how many different words can you say for dick? I mean... I, I, I'm not doing engorged member. I'm not doing any of that. Um, and I'm not using fruit for, you know, the lady bits. So um, I, I try not to get too flowery. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it, it does become tricky because it's like mm -hmm. you got dick, cock, you know what I mean? Like you start, yeah. start running out of words. You do. And, yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, I know some writers and some writers do this brilliantly where they can kind of, you know, they get, like, they get it out without actually getting it, you know, yeah. like, say, like, you know, and not sort of resorting to the more flowery and the like, yeah. really sort of cringy things. Yeah. That's um, my goal. <laughs> to yeah, get like that. Mine too. Mine too. Uh -huh. Um, you know, to, to make sort it of, sound hot without saying those words. Yeah. 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 But that's, that's mm -hmm. some skill right there. And that takes a mm -hmm. lot of, you know, yeah. that, that does take a lot of like brain power to kind of get it out. Right. Yeah. And it, you start slipping and sliding and all of that. I know. I, I'm having I know. the same issue with the book I'm writing right now. I'm like, how many times can we slide? People? I know. This is enough. Oh my God, my poor editor Karen. She's like, you just said slid. Well, it slid. It worked. I don't know. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm sliding a little too much. I know. <laughs> I don't want to say bulldoze. I mean, you know, people, think, people get their, their bits hurt if you say the wrong thing. <laughs> so I'm curious, do you have, I mean, you know, this might, this, I feel like I might be taking you, I don't think I, this was something that I submitted in advance. Can you think of like what your favorite intimate scene is that sort of made you go, this scene is perfect? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have um, that. Okay. Now I may, you know, I may, there, there are others. Okay. There's a couple. Uh, but Kristen Ashley has a book uh, uh, called Breathe, which is probably my favorite modern romance of, of any. Um, 
the, the scene there, the, the couple in Breed, their first time was perfection. Her Remind me who was in Breathe. Remind me which Kristen one this was. Ashley, Breathe is uh, Chase and Faye. Uh, Chase is the, the small town cop. Um, and Faye is the kind of nerdy librarian. Right. Okay, that's yeah. the one. Okay, yes, yeah. yes. I've, yeah. I've read like all of her books. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> their, that, their first time scene was absolute, for me, perfection now some people that's not their cup of tea okay you know live your life but for them it was so for me that sex scene was so wrought with emotion and love and uh pain i don't mean physical pain i mean just emotional pain of how long this man had wanted her and how long she had wanted him and everything that they had gone through and she had, and, and I'm not a big virgin fan, you know, if you right. write it well, then that's fine. Um, I like them. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, this one was perfect because this is a woman who's smart and talented and, and witty and in control of her life, but she's also shy. She has been in love with this man for years and saved herself and made a conscious decision to do that not because there's anything wrong with her sexually not because she's been abused or defiled or 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 anything but because that is what she chose to do with her body and her life and the two of them together i i I could go on forever it's perfect for me i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to reread that one it's one of the ones that i never reread of hers and i Mm reread her stuff a lot i'm one of those that Mm -hmm. i can just go back and keep reading her her work, but I'm going to have to go back and take another look at it's that. It's not the hottest scene that she wrote, um, no. but for me, emotionally, yeah. with all, all the components together, is perfect. I think with that whole series, it's not as, I guess, like you said, hot, you know, as mm-hmm. some of her other stuff. I think within that whole series, I really think mm-hmm. that is definitely more more heart-wrenching, I think. Of yeah, her, the Colorado her. Mountain series is my favorite because yeah. it has... I think such a great blend of emotionality, characters, and really good storytelling. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a good series. It's a really mm-hmm. good series. Um, oh, I love that you just pulled that out. You were like, I know exactly which one it was. And Kristen <laughs> Ashley, so many, I've, you know, how many people have I talked to, and nobody's brought her up yet, which mm-hmm. really surprised me. You know, because yeah. particularly with contemporary, because she is, you know, sort of like so big. You know, as, mm-hmm. as far as contemporary romance, yeah. So. Um, cool. So now you're writing, as we said, romantic suspense, and I'm really curious how you balance the romance with the action. Um, I kind of, so far, these have come to me as like movies in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you think about watching a, a, a good movie that has a good balance of, of romance and suspense or a good balance of action and storytelling or anything else, y- you know, you get into this rhythm when you're watching it. Okay. I, you did the, you did the fight scene. I need some, I need some people interaction. You know, mm. I, I need some other things. Okay. I'm ready for another fight scene. Um, and it just so far, <laughs> it just kind of comes that way to me okay. that if I'm, 
if I'm at a point where I'm writing and I'm like, okay, this is nice. I'm ready to write something else. And that's what I do. And it seems to work out. So do you struggle at all with writing the action sequences? Sorry. Do you struggle at all with writing the action sequences? Uh, The fight scene? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. You struggle with those. I struggle really? with those because I want um, – I don't know that I struggle with them. They're just not my favorite thing to write. You know, he hit him in the face. He hit him in the face. Somebody threw a knife. Like, you know, the violence of it is not my favorite thing. Um, okay. I like the fear. I like the suspense. I like the buildup. Um, but that, you know, that pivotal scene that you have – is not always my favorite because um, it's just it, it's not as easy for me to to logistically write to get all the pieces and parts correct and to use the right words to, for the intensity of it and where I want it to go. You know where I want the reader's attention to be. Um, it, really, those are harder for me. It's really funny because some. Uh, romance authors that I talk to that have no problem writing the steamy bits do struggle when it comes to writing, you know, sort of fight scenes and, you mm-hmm. know, anything like that. And I'm, and that's like that, the fight scenes is where I live. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can do it. Like, I'm so like, I can I'm breeze in- through a fight <laughs> scene. And, and, but, you know, but when I have to write the steamy bits, I grind to a halt. I end up going so slow. <laughs> well, now, I, speed is something else. Yeah, the steamy bits take me longer because that's I go back, do. you know, I go back yeah. and move and edit and do, and I don't like the way this. But that's just me. I think I, I want to get steamy bits perfect. My, heart, yeah. my hardest scene to write, inevitably, is that first kiss. Really? Like, every single time, yeah. Because Why? for me... For me as a reader, it's got to be perfect because it's what it's what sells the couple to me. Mm-hmm. It can also really make or break a hero for me. Okay. Um, so I always when when people when when writer when writers when authors get that one right, they've got me. They can do anything else they want in that book. Um, <laughs> they, if they can make that first kiss believable, and they can make that hero become a hero to me, whatever he's done, whatever he, whatever he, whatever. Mm. If, if they can get him right in that first kiss, um, yeah, I'm toast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you put, I mean, clearly though, you're putting your characters in peril mm-hmm. because you're writing romantic suspense. And I, mm-hmm. I want to kind of talk about this. So, um, you know, how do you how do you come up with the ideas of how you're going to put these characters in peril and how do and how do you know how far to go? Um. Oh, that I, mm. the the my first book was a standalone. Okay. And the story came very easily. I I knew she was going to have a stalker. You know, I knew what he was going to do. Um. And the balancing act for me, usually, well, not even usually, the balancing act for me is to write a conflict and a female character that is not too stupid to live, mm. weak, yep, 
or uh, stereotypical. So I, you know, normally it's always the women who are in peril and that's, you know, that's kind of how it is. But, excuse me, I try to work it in my mind so that I see her, the way she gets out before I ever start writing. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I have to make it real. Yeah. That how she gets out. Right what happens at the end and then I go back and write it happening. Right. Right. Um, that idea of sort of knowing what happens at the end so you can get yeah, to knowing it. specifically yeah. what happens at, at the end of the conflict and when the end of the conflict is going to come. Um, yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah. I think it's that too stupid to live part that sort of like really gets me because yeah. on the one hand, like, you know, if they didn't stumble, make mm-hmm. a mistake, you know, mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a story. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do you figure out how to make it so that they're not idiots? You know, although I yeah. have to say, if ever there was somebody in a situation of peril, um, who would be too stupid to live, I'm like raising my hand. I'm like, that oh, would sh- probably be me. I'm terrible. And I'd, I'd be, be going <laughs> upstairs in those high heels in a hot New York minute. It would be, <laughs> it would like, be am, <laughs> you do not want me on your team yeah <laughs> in yep. a bad situation because I'm the one cowering in the corner yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope <laughs> yeah yeah and for me that colors how um women can react because I try to make it real you know mm-hmm. um I'm one of these people when I'm reading or I'm watching a movie you can make me believe anything as long as you can make it believable. Um, So I don't, I try to, I'll give you, for instance, take Clary Starling from the silence of the lambs. One of the best books in in, for, for suspense ever written. I think I, the second book Hannibal, I threw Mm -hmm. across the room because I really felt that Thomas Harris was not true to that character. So I try to think that whatever she does is going to be true to her. Um, So, yeah, she can, you know, maybe she cries. Maybe she gets mad. Maybe she forgets what to do. Maybe a a circumstance happens that just, you know, she fell ass backwards into a pot of gold. Who knows? But I want it. It has to be believable for the person that I had built. So that's, that's what I tried to do. And I, Hopefully, I don't build wussy women. What does your Google history look like? <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like, right I- now? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, right now, <laughs> my new series, right now, it is body decomposition times in water. I'm not even kidding. Body decomposition times in water. How long a forensic diver can stay under and how deep they can go. Um, I'm trying to remember the other one. Oh, what happens to cold cases? Who can, who can, uh, how do you, um, how, how can you get cold case information if you're just a civilian, like in the FBI, how do you get that information? Uh, Now, apart from Google, do you have people that you work with that you can bring your questions to, or are you doing this on your own? I have a a reader whose father is a former FBI agent, 
Okay. And she has been a wealth of information. That's um, really, really cool. Yeah, I have readers who are in law enforcement. I have readers who are in um, forensics and, and medicine and things like that. So if I know, you know, I'll go on my, my reader site and like, do you guys know anything about this? And I'll have four DMs before I can even, you know, look. So I, oh, yeah. that's fantastic. That's, that's really cool. About my readers is I have people who do everything <laughs> you can imagine. It's, it's kind of, it's amazing, but, but Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other the other thing that I'm in awe of with romantic suspense is there's a real balancing act between the romance and the mm-hmm. and the action. Mm-hmm. And how do you get that right? I don't well, I don't know if I get it right yet. I guess you probably have to ask the people who read, but I um like I said before, I think when I'm reading a romantic suspense novel, when I've had enough of the romance and I want to know what's going on with the crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of get into a flow when I read. And if I, if the book is not good at it, I know. And if it is, I really can't wait to the end. I try to write and then go back and read it as a reader and say, okay, is it time for something right. else? Um, and I have, I got to tell you, I have a, an alpha reader who is my best, best good friend, Debbie. And um, if she, if I send her a chapter and she, at the end of it, she goes, what the fuck? I need the next chapter. I know I'm doing good. <laughs> That's awesome. I know, I know I'm doing good because she, she will say, <clears throat> she will, we love each other and we trust each other. And I know that she will tell me the absolute truth. And if she yells at me and says, that I'm, I'm good. You know, I send her a smiley face and I keep trucking. <laughs> That's great. So I know. It's a flow and a balance, and I don't know yeah. what the secret is. Um, I can only hope that I seem so far to be able to kind of hit it most of the time. When I wrote my first urban fantasy and sent it to my editor, she was like, this is great, but your pacing is way too fast. She's like, I'm exhausted at the end of reading it. Like it was just, she was like, you're just one thing after another. And she actually told me to go watch the TV series Alias. Uh, which I had never oh, watched, and yeah. she was like, "She's like, go watch that, go watch that, and then go back to your novel, and you will like figure out the pacing there." She's like, mm-hmm. "Take a look at that for pacing," and I was like, "Oh, yeah. okay," and I did, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like it actually was very helpful to mm-hmm. to go to Alias and take a look at that to sort of figure out the pacing. I live in fear of getting rushed at the end because I know where it's going and now I want to get there and you can see yes. the finish line. Yes. Um, I always worry about that. So, but my, the, my beta team readers seem to be very good with, with, um, you know, saying, you know, you need to fix this. You need to add this. What happened to so-and-so? Are you just going to leave that hanging? So, um, yeah. because by the time, you know how it is, when you get to the end, you've reread and self-edited so much. Yes. And it, sometimes you just cannot see the forest for the trees. So, yeah, like I, I always think about like, I feel like I'm sending my work too prematurely to my editor, but by the time I'm ready to send it, I am so over it and I can't even see where mm-hmm. I screwed up and I don't want to go back and reread it again. Like I'm just sick of it and mm-hmm. I want somebody else's eyes on it, you know? By the time I send it to the editor, I am convinced it's a piece of shit and I should, yep. be, doing, I should be doing something else with my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same, 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 same. Thank God. I think most of us are like that. Uh, And thank God that I have an editor who would tell me, first of all, 
if it were a piece of shit. But um, who understands that? And, you know, kind of, she's like, you know, just go rest. And, and then I have yeah. a really, a really kick-ass uh, um, author posse that we kind of are, hold each other's hand and tell each other the truth. And so I, I think it's vital that you have a group of people that really understand what you're going through. I need one of those. I think that I've always shied away from it because I took, you know, through college, I, I was, I was, when I grew up, I was supposed to be a playwright. Mm-hmm. And um, so through Ooh. college, I, I was involved in a lot of, you know, reader, writer, writer groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just never, I never enjoyed it. I always felt everybody was so snipey. Like I never found, yeah. you know, like it was yeah. really hard to find a place where, you know, people w- were supportive and gentle and uh, you know what I mean? And still were able mm-hmm. to critique the work and say, Hey, maybe here you should do, you know, not you should do like in terms of rewrite, like writing your mm-hmm. story for you. Um, yeah. But, you know, but, but came, came to the criticism from a place of love rather than. <laughs> yes. Um, and destroying your soul. Actually, the the and it's just it's just five of us, but these are we're all women who kind of knew each other a little bit, okay, um, and enjoy each other's work, um, and we are like minded in how we think about you know politics and relationships and family and mm. place in life. So we kind of all we kind of just gel as friends, okay. Um, but it no, it was not easy to find. Um, yeah, there are people who will, you know, want to cut your nuts off <laughs> just because they can. And um, I just have no patience for that. I'm in an age where I don't, um, I don't suffer fools, and I don't want to be with people who just want to be nasty because they're repetitive or jealous or bitchy mm. or you know, it's yeah. Tuesday, whatever or it is. Tuesday. <laughs> so, it's. Yeah, it is hard to find that group, and that's why I hang on to mine for dear life because yeah. we don't um, critique each other's work as mu- we do some. What we really do is help each other be writers. Mm. You know, we we help we commiserate about marketing and and you know whatever the the gossip du jour is that we roll our eyes at, and um, you know whatever political thing and and romance may be going on, you know, we kind of, um, and you know, when one of us is really, and it's usually me, um, really thinking that their work is shit, you know, we're all together and saying, look, let's get real about this. So, um, we just respect each other and like each other. And, um, like I said, we're like-minded. So it's, it's a, it's a blessing to have them. Yeah, I don't think it could be. I really don't think that this can be overstated. Like I found because what we do is so solitary, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and our editors don't come in until the end, you mm-hmm. know, of the process, really. And so, you know, one of the things that I have loved about doing this podcast is just getting to like getting to talk to you. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. I'd never do this. I Sitting here talking about you, this is the most I've verbalized about writing in a long time. Long I know, time. and it's so lonely. And like you know, mm-hmm. my husband comes home from work, and he's just like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and when you find somebody, like, "Oh my God, they understand exactly how I feel." Because <laughs> I'll just be blabbing along about this character, did this, and that character did that, mm-hmm. and it felt this way. And he's just looking at me like, "Okay, what do you want for dinner?" <laughs> yeah. 
unless you're in it, you don't really get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to dig into the steamy scene here. Now, this is from your book, Faithful Peace. Can you oh. set this up for us a little bit? Where sure. are we? Um, Faithful Peace is the third in the four book series. Um, this series overlying story arc has been um, about a religious cult or a religious slash domestic terrorist cult. Um, so each couple has had a part in what has happened um, to the people. And like one is an FBI agent who was undercover. But anyway, this faithful piece is a John and Esther story. Esther is 33-ish, um, and she was a wife from uh, this cult that was rescued and given a home in Faithful, which is the, the town in Tennessee that all these books are, are placed in. Um, and she was a child bride at 12 years old. Good she Lord. was born and raised on this cult uh, compound. She never knew anything else. Um, and then one of the other characters is an FBI agent. And um, then there's another character who was a physician's assistant who worked on the compound, but was there to actually try to find her own father. These two people um, helped Esther to get out of the cult and gave her a home and a life and everything uh, back in, 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 um, in Faithful. And John is a man that she met when she first got there. Um, he is there. The, the, the four books are two brothers and their two best friends. The men, okay. the men are the ones who are the, the ones in the common thread. Um, and John is uh, the best friend and cousin. He's the best friend of the two brothers um, and the cousin of the fourth man. Um, and John is um, John's wife committed suicide when they were very young. She had, um, and he has two, two children. Okay. Um, and Esther, obviously, when she came to Faithful, didn't have a driver's license. She didn't have a birth certificate. Um, she had no formal education, really, except what had happened. Um, so she had to learn and find a life and find a place and a job um, in Faithful. Um, and she ends up being the nanny housekeeper for John's two boys. Got it. Yeah, okay. and um, this book, uh, Faithful Peace, takes place three years after she came there. Um, okay. You know, she's been through therapy and um, worked very hard, got her, you know, her GED and her driver's license, and has built a life for herself here. Um, and of course, in doing this, she is the nanny and housekeeper of this movie star, kind of shy, slow-spoken, very handsome. Kind of cowboy, so. <laughs> I <love> John. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start. Let me see where are we. Yeah. So we're when we start out, we are in John's point of view. Just want to point that out. So. Yes. It, yeah. And I always write in dual point of view because dual. I love knowing what the man is thinking and feeling. I'm I so jealous. I think our heroes get shortchanged. I I would I I struggle so much with male point of view, so I don't write in it. But I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. You know, because I do. I don't like know. That. If I, I do it right, but I like doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you do it very well. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. 
I want you to know I went to see Eliza Raymond. She maintained her silence, her eyes never leaving his. They did not change expressions, so he went on. She didn't break your confidence, and I didn't ask her to. But I wanted to get some advice from, well, a professional. This didn't feel like it was going well, and his chest felt tight. He pushed on, needing to get it said and done. He continued, he continued, his, her continued, sorry, her continued stillness was not helping the situation at all in his mind. He could not fuck this up. He closed his eyes and took a breath. The tightness in his chest began to feel like a vice. Esther, I want you to know you don't have to do this now. If you can't do it, it's okay. He watched a shadow move over her face. Shit. She thought he wanted to stop. He pulled her more closely to him. The next was spoken from his gut, the sound of it barely a whisper. Baby, I want you to know so damn hard I ache. You have got to know that. But no matter where we are, what is happening, how far we have gone, if you are not ready, it's okay. He couldn't stop his hands from flexing at her waist, and he brought his face closer to hers. What he was conveying was intense. He had to make sure she heard and believed him. As far as I'm concerned, this is your first time to make love. Fast times are rocky, darling. First times are rocky, darling. First times rarely turn out the way we think they will. I have no clue if I'm going to get this right. He paused and bent his head towards her. I swear to you, I am going to try, but this may take some time. I'm sure Dr. Raymond told you that, right? Unable to stop himself, needing her close, he finished pulling her into his embrace. She didn't resist as he drew her body to his, drew her to his body, sliding his arms around her slenderness and bringing one hand up to press her face in, into his chest. He felt her arms go around his waist and her fingers gripped the back of his t-shirt. She still didn't speak and the tightness in his chest was joined by a twist in his gut. Jesus, how in hell did people get through something like this? Oh, this poor man. I know. I know. You know, I just like I loved this because he's so stumbling around. You know, like he's still he's he's like he knows she's she went through this awful thing and Mm -hmm. he doesn't and he wants to get it right with her and her first time and like and he's treating it like he's saying like as far as he's concerned she's a virgin this is her first time and like he wants to get it so he is so painfully awkward here and trying so hard and so nervous i loved this (laughs) i loved this i was like and you know and I was like you know this is a good guy you know yes he is so careful you're writing really hard and really tricky stuff like Mm -hmm. do you work with sensitivity readers like you know because um I I imagine it's hard for readers to like you want to make sure your readers feel safe with the story that you're telling I do um I I mean yes Uh, I have been um, a victim of abuse and rape in my past, and I'm 63 or two years old. You know, I've um, uh, hopefully I think I've uh, emerged from that. Um, so I have a little bit of an insight to that, but I also have a couple of friends who I trust who have had horrific things happen to them and who were very willing to say, "Let me read it to make sure a that it's." The right thing right. and be that I'm okay with it you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so yes the answer to your question I the short answer is yes I do have sense when it comes to that kind of stuff abuse and um, 
uh, rape. Yeah, I, I'm always, I don't do it in every book, certainly, thank God. But um, this particular one is the most intense of them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really, just from this, this, it really, you know, the bit that you sent me, I was like, like, this has got to be some tough stuff to write because you're dealing with some really difficult things here. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm really in awe, you know, when people do it, you know, I kind of, my, the last book I wrote, I went to that edge with some of the characters and I just pulled myself back because I just didn't feel, didn't feel right. You know, didn't feel quite right. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was ready to go there, um, as a writer. Um, oh no, I I understand. You know, I understand. Um, But to tell her story, it had to be, you know, there was no way to tell Esther's story without this. Yeah. Yeah. It was really extraordinary. And I'm like already in love with him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I try, when I was coming up with the man that was going to be for her, it's like, this has to be the guy who's not the alpha hole. Yeah. He He can't be an asshole at all. Um, Yeah. He has to be manly and strong and and whatever, but he this is a it, this has to be a man who gets what he has in his hands and has to know how to how to protect it yeah. and not you know not not go macho he, he can't do that <laughs> yeah. no he can't do that he has to be a man and he has to be. Somebody that you just, oh, my God. Um, yeah. John kind of makes me a little just wobbly need. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want John. <laughs> He's a fantastic character. He really is. Well, you know, I had I, I had a lot of readers who said, you better get him right or I will come to your house and fuck you up. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, str- I really struggle with the alpha holes. Like, I really do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I know readers love them, but I find like when I push myself to write them, I'm always like, "Oh, you're just an asshole." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I don't like them at all. Um, I don't. I, I don't. You know, you can be arrogant. You can be full of yourself, confident. You can be swaggy. Yeah. You can be whatever. You cannot be an asshole. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A, and there's a fine line. There's yeah. a real fine line. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so. there is. <laughs> and, okay. and when you're reading, you know when they've crossed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um next but now we're we're going into her her um her point of view. So mm-hmm. just wanna give that you know warning so it's not a little jarring. Her breath left her in a gasp as John swiftly bent, wrapping, wrapped his strong, work-hardened muscles around her and lifted her off her feet. Before she could register fully what was happening, he was in her room, his long legs eating the short distance through her sitting area to the alcove where her bed stood. He stopped at the foot of it and allowed her legs to slide from his hold back to the floor. He took no time He took no time to speak as he brought her face up to his, cupping her cheeks and fitting their mouths together. His tongue danced with hers and she whimpered slightly. At the sound, one hand moved down to grasp her at at her waist and the other moved to hold her face to him as it cradled the back of her head. His mouth opened more fully over hers, encouraging her full participation in the beautiful battle of lips and tongues and teeth. Oh my God, I love this so much. <laughs> that build up, just to get to that kiss, just that oh. build up. It was absolutely exquisite. I thought the pacing was exquisite. And, you. you know, you, 
you're really there was a real tease going on here this sort of will they won't they tease mm. uh-huh. um that yeah. i was like i was like where'd that pacing come from because it's amazing <laughs> thank you thank you you're welcome so where'd it come from <laughs> you're like i don't know i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. I just tried to put myself in her shoes and in his. Um, and how would I behave? Um, right. How would I feel? What would my fear be? Um, right, right before where you started reading, there's a, a little passage where you start to see that Esther is not a victim. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She has, worked, point. she has worked really, really hard not to be a victim. Mm-hmm. So she's not, you know, she's ready for this. She wants his pants off and she wants, yeah. So yeah, um, like right before I read this, there she is saying to him, I fantasized of your hands on me, your body mm-hmm. inside mine, your pleasure coming because I was the one meant to have it. Um, I'd nearly given up. I would have, I, I had nearly given up. I would ever have. I, I had nearly given up. I would ever have something I wanted needed so badly. The mm-hmm. one thing after my freedom that was most important, like she knows what she wants. Yeah, she does. You know, and this is so, mm-hmm. so amazing coming after John being so nervous. Yeah. He has, he has no real idea of the strength of this woman. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like his sort of stuttering, right? He's kind of stuttering his way through and kind of stumbling mm-hmm. around and very nervous, doesn't want to hurt her, is so worried about hurting her. And she's here like, you want to fuck? Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. She's like, come yeah. on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And when I was setting this up, I'm like, this scene has got to show that she not only is okay with what's going to happen, but she is ready for it. Yeah. You know, she is tired of letting what happened in her past dictate what's going to happen in her future. Yeah. She's not having any more of it. So, yeah, it's, it's really um, amazing. Okay. So <laughs> um, we're still in her, 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 her mm-hmm. point of view. Mm-hmm. How much do you care about this excuse for a nightgown? His eyes were burning into hers and his drawl was more pronounced. His voice guttural. John, I, again, she did not get to finish. In about five seconds, I'm not going to be responsible if it gets ripped when I'm ta- when I'm taking it off you. If you want it, you better deal with it. He was dead serious, and he did not sound the least bit concerned with preserving her nightgown. She swallowed and felt the flush of heat in her stomach spread out and down at his words. She stepped back from him and, holding his eyes, reached for the hem of the garment. She grasped it and pulled it swiftly up over her head. She pulled the long length of her hair through and flung the lightweight piece of cloth onto the floor behind her. She felt no hesitation. She did not need to worry about being naked underneath. She had no fear of John standing inches away when she revealed her nudity to him. She heard his sharply indrawn breath and watched as his eyes moved down. He took his time, his gaze burning into her flesh where it touched. It felt like an eternity as she stood before him, presenting herself to his eyes. There was a fierce contentment and something akin to pride swelling in her as his obvious pleasure, uh, at his obvious pleasure in looking at her. Finally, his eyes returned to hers. My imagination did you no justice, sweetheart. His rumbled comment was nearly her undoing. My heart can't take it here. <laughs> I know. I can't take it. 
cannot take it. Um, you know, it, it's so, I think like what really struck me is that sort of the first time, like it's like the first time you expose yourself to somebody mm-hmm. and how vulnerable you are and how he, she lets herself go to that vulnerability and like, and he just, I don't know, like, and what he yeah. says is just so beautiful. Like he recognizes this is a vulnerable moment and, you know, and I don't know. I just thought that this was a gorgeous, like absolutely gorgeous moment between the two of them. Thank you. Thank you so much. I loved it. I loved Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. I can't. Uh, I think we're back. I think we've moved into his point of view now. No, we might mm-hmm. still be in her. No, we've moved to his point of view in this next bit. Okay. He moved and sat down on the edge of the bed, still holding her hand. Come here, Essie. He guided her forward until she stood between his parted thighs. God, she was beautiful. Her skin glowed. Her breasts were full and peaked. Her stomach softly rounded, her hips generous. His mouth watered as he anticipated what was to come. Just one more thing to ask and a couple more things to say. I don't want to ask this, honey, but I got to know. He squeezed the hand already held and reached for the other with his free one. Is there any position that scares you? He felt her hands convulse in his. I need you to communicate with me, sweetheart. He gripped both of her hands harder and pulled her an inch closer. There is nothing you can say that would make me not want you, baby. There is nothing you could do that that would shock me or put me off. I love the communication between them Mm. at that moment or with him. In particular, because I think so much of intimacy lies just in the act of communicating. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we recognize that enough. Yes, you're right. Um, And particularly in intimate scenes, because so much is, you know, and again, maybe this is me with my playwriting background where all I wrote was dialogue. So that's where I live mostly, most comfortably. like I'm like sometimes I'm writing and I'm like they really need to shut up now and do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but there, but that act of communicating, you know, particularly looking that she's got this trauma in her past and he's being so careful, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of curious, you know, because this is sort of one instance. But do do your other characters communicate this way too? As they're got like, you know, <laughs> I think that these two more right because it has to be. But I have a, I have a fair bit of communication during sex scenes just because when I read them, if they start and they don't talk again until it's over, I'm like, who, who does that? You, you should, I guess people do do that, but you shouldn't right. do that. I mean, even if it's nothing more than put your hand here. Um, but uh, again, going back to what makes a sex scene for me is the intimacy and the feeling there. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's really hard to convey that without having dialogue. Um, right. And mm-hmm. especially the women that I have written, not all of them, but well, all of them have got history. They're not young women. Um, I don't, none of my characters are under the age of 30. So th- these are couples, and, and in particular, these are women that have, um, history. It may not be a sexual problem, but um, they, things have happened in their life. They're not. Um, they're not kids. 
Mm-hmm. And the men that they are with also have histories. Right. Um, but these are men that by the time for, for this series of books, by the time these people sleep together, they are invested emotionally in each other. You know, they right. may not be in love yet, but, you know, it's not just a, somebody's getting banged up against a wall that they just met in a bar. Not right. like that. Now I'm going <laughs> to do that, but not in this, not in this bunch. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I think um, if I read a sex scene and it doesn't have some dialogue other than dirty words, which I love dirty words, but if it doesn't have some communication, I always feel it's a little lacking. Right. This particular couple, they had to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really gorgeous. And, I, and it made me sort of go, ah, that is like a real foundation of intimacy is going to be that communication. Mm-hmm. Okay, so last bit, I'm kind of like going to jump a, from, because I, I, I thought this was really kind of neat, where I'm going to be in her point of view, and then I'm mm-hmm. going to jump down to another section that's in his point of view, because I thought this was really kind of neat how, what okay. you did here. So Okay, so first we're in hers. His eyes darkened dangerously at her words, and he sat fully upright, his hands going to pull her head to him. His mouth came back to hers, and he kissed her, his tongue twisting and stroking, one hand holding her head at the back. Then one hand was back at her wetness, and he was pushing apart the fold, seeking and finding the throbbing bud at the top of her sex. Pleasure radiated from his touch, and her pelvis involuntarily rocked against him. She gasped into his mouth, and he pulled his lips from hers, his breath hard and hot against her skin. Her pelvis undulated against his hand as he kept at her, rubbing and flicking with his fingers. Are you ready, sweetheart? I need to be inside you, Essie, but I gotta know you're ready for me. Lifting herself on her, knee, on her knees in the bed on either side of his hips, she pushed herself into him until their stomachs were rubbing together. She fisted his hair in her hands and rubbed herself on him, feeling his shaft between her legs. His groaned Jesus Esther made her want to impale herself on him until she couldn't tell where she ended and he began. Love that last line. (laughs) Okay, so now I'm going to jump down to him. Mm -hmm. Thank Christ she was coming because he had to let loose. His balls felt like they were going to explode. The telltale contractions started around his cock and he lost all sense of reason. Grunts rumbling up his throat, he slammed up into her once, twice. On the third stroke, his balls tensed, the heat rolling from his spine and his groin. He groaned as the pulsating shots jetted from his body and into hers. Her sharp cry fueled his orgasm, and he had no control over the loud, guttural gasp she pulled pulled from him. He fleetingly felt her teeth sink into his shoulder, and it amplified the other sensations sensations gripping him he held her tight as her hips jerked and his did the same each of them caught in a timeless dance of pleasure i loved putting these two bits together because it's like this totally different experience <laughs> but you know because it's like you know of of reading the 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 act between them you know what was going on between them like his is so it's still lovely but he's more direct yeah you know so so the right like so the writing style there the juxtaposition Mm -hmm. of the writing styles I thought was so cool and you know you were just there was never any question of whose head you were in at the time um and you know and I also want to point out at this point like this is what you sent me was you know probably a relatively long scene and you had Mm. nearly 5,000 words of foreplay yeah, no. <laughs> I wor- I worried about that when you said when I said I'm like, oh yeah, this is a 
I know. I remember I asking. Loved it. <laughs> I, re- I remember asking my editor. I said, Karen, I got a two chapter sex scene. Is that okay? She's like, Is it good? <laughs> I, well, I don't know. <laughs> I thought so, but you know. I was like, because I get, because I'm like, and I was like, holy shit, it's like 5,000 words of foreplay, and that's awesome. Oh, I was like, good. that's amazing. <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> I, figured, I, I thought that Esther deserved 5,000 words of foreplay. <laughs> she really did. Yeah. She really did. <laughs> so yeah i just thought that that you know th- there was such a difference in the in the voices um that i thought was really really great and like i said i'm yeah. in awe of people that can write that dual point of view because i really do have a hard time with it i really do want to give um i want to be as fair and as careful with male point of view as women because i think yeah. it's important um and i, I don't think that I I don't think that anybody thinks any less of John as a romantic hero because he was caring and awkward and a little fumbly. Um, Absolutely not. Uh, and then he got a little guttural and was like, yeah, okay, we got to do this at the end. Because to me, I think that's how a man would be, you know? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's waited a whole long time and <laughs> he's waited 5,000 yeah. words. And I yeah, I mean, it was just like, yeah, like it was time. Like it was time. It was time. Yeah. And she was okay. You know, I mean, I think yeah. that was also part of it is like she, he, he allowed, he was allowed to let go because she was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. and he, and he, and they were able to sort of like communicate that and talk through mm-hmm. it and have those moments throughout so that he could finally just go off and like yeah. you know experience that pleasure too it was really i was well so done. i tell you this is the, the most nerve-wracking um sex scene i've ever done because really this is a, yeah this is three books into the series people readers were really invested in this couple um and knew what she had gone through and i knew that if i fucked this up it was not going to be good that mm. there, what you know, what happens at the end of the book and how she gets her vengeance was important, but for me, this was more important. This had to be right. Um, right. It, it had to be. It had to do her justice, him justice, and it had to be um, for those women who were going to be reading this, who have been through that. Um, it, it had to be. It had to be right for them. And I imagine it's sort of like, you know, it was a real pivotal moment in her growth as a character. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, I imagine there's probably a lot of pressure to to get this scene right. To get to the point, and if you have read the rest of the series, you would know more about her struggle. But to get her to, to be able to trust being in the same room with a man she doesn't know right. um, was, uh, was gut-wrenching at times, the, the glimpses of Esther throughout. Um, because she meets John in the first book of the series, and it doesn't go well. Um, so knowing that she's in this background, uh, um, taking her life back, um, and knowing that at some point, if I, if, if Esther's going to get her ATA, then this is going to have to come. And, and gotta, I just felt a real um, responsibility to get that right. Like I said, I, for women who have been through it in real life. I loved her quiet strength. Mm-hmm. There was Me so too. much of that that came out. I really loved her quiet strength. Um, you know, I thought that that was, um, 
and I thought that it was important. Yeah, like absolutely important mm-hmm. knowing that she had some uh, sort of, you know, abuse in her background like she had mm-hmm. and being able to see her come to this relationship and and be open to it and relish it and want mm-hmm. it and need it, you know. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm that sort of struck me that was um that I heard and I'm sort of exploring it more is that sex is actually uh, a form of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is actually a really lovely way to, um, to think about it and look at it. And I think that it's right. I think that that's right. I think sex is a form of healing. Yes. Because you and really, you can, it, it, yeah, because your trust, you don't have anything to hide. Yeah. And you can see it happening here on the page with this, with this little bit, with this excerpt. Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad you liked it. I did. I did. Thank you for sharing it with me. You're welcome. Anna, where can readers find you? Um, I am on Facebook. Um, I have a reader group uh, on Facebook. I have a personal uh, page on Facebook and I have an author page on Facebook. Cool. Um, I will link to this in the show notes um, for anybody sure. who wants to go give it a follow. So. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram um, and my website, AnnaBarkerBooks.com. Perfect. Um, Anna, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking the time. This has been so much fun. Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) This has been great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is, yeah, this is the most fun I've had in a while. Thank you. Oh, Oh, I mean, I'm flattered, but maybe you should Uh, get out more. (laughs) I got to talk about myself for a whole hour and talk about, (laughs) and talk about what I love to do. Somebody who loves to do it too. So yeah, this is great. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.